You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Why, hello there. You are now listening to the 14th episode of Fly in the Hall, Candid Conversations on Music. This week's guest is Glass Beach. Their music is hard to describe, using elements of punk, emo, jazz, electronic, and more. The first Glass Beach album is extremely layered and varied in a way that leads to an interesting listen. I spoke to Jay and Jonas from the band about making the album, self-releasing it, signing to run for cover records, and more. I really hope you listen to the album and the episode and enjoy them both. So yeah, I guess as far as starting off the podcast, if you two could just um, introduce yourself real quick so listeners can kind of distinguish your voices. Uh, I'm Jonas. I play bass for Glass Beach. I'm Jay. I play guitar and piano and some other instruments and sing and produce Glass Beach. And <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of things for Glass Beach. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so actually, the first thing that I wanted to ask about was the album artwork, because I was actually... Uh, recommended the album by just someone on Twitter. I asked for like, what's some albums this year that you don't feel like enough people are checking out? And uh, they had tweeted Glass Beach. And I, like I was going through all the all the tweets um, and kind of judging just based on like band name and album artwork. And yours was one that like really stood out to me. So I'm curious like a little bit more about that. <laughs> um, well, the artist who painted that who is my boyfriend is right over here. Hey, Dax. We can, <laughs> if you want to talk to him about it. <laughs> um, uh, we're talking about the album artwork. Um, yeah, that's that's Dax, who, like Jay said, is the boyfriend. Um, and who we like, who was around for pretty much the entire production of the album. Um, and is a very good artist. Yeah, I mean, we like it too. I, I, we It, it was... Um, I know that Jay and Dax talked about it, I'm sure, more as it was, like, being worked on. But as they were, like, sending us pictures, it just, like, felt like it was a good visual representation of what the album kind of felt like, which is, like, great. Because people are saying, like, I want to live in the album cover. And yeah. I, feel, I feel that. I, I would like to live in that world. Yeah. From from pretty early on, I had decided on the color palette for that. And I gave that to Dax. And I had ideas for certain elements I wanted in it. And he kind of drew up a bunch of different designs and came up with that one. And, um, and then, uh, I mean, you can talk about it. If you yeah. Want to yeah. Basically, um, I got the color palette from Jay and did a bunch of thumbnails and like tried to figure out the composition of the piece and how I wanted it to look. And I, I knew what the like vibe and like the mood I was going for was, and I knew it was going to involve like the black sky with the red moon or red sun or whatever 
Hmm. You want to interpret that as it's um, both, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's both. It's canonically, both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sun and moon are the same thing. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of a matter of the scene on the beach uh, that was going to unfold there, and that kind of just came together after a few different sketches and a lot of uh, tracing paper and like overlapping these features until I found like a combination that I liked and then I just kind of like went ham and inked it and painted it and water compiled, wa watercolored, yeah. um, compiled it uh, digitally. It's actually two images. We talk about this a little bit in the documentary that I don't know when it's- It's coming out next year, early. Some more visuals. Um, for that, so you'll get to see some of the works in progress. But basically, uh, that came together really well. Yeah. It yeah. was actually the last thing that uh, we needed before the release of the album. Um, yeah. It was like literally like midnight on like May 18th or something like that. <laughs> but it was like music files were all ready to go, everything was uploaded to all the distribution websites. And yeah, Jay was just like, Jax, is there anything I can do to, <laughs> to help you get this finished? <laughs> like, just give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy about how it turned out. And I mean, you said, you said, uh, Scott, that that was what got you to listen to the album and you are like not at all the first person to tell us that. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's good. Cause yeah. like, you know, <laughs> first thing you see. Yeah, definitely. And, I think like part of what kind of stands out to me and also makes sense in line with the music is just kind of like the layers and how kind of, you know, the picture's kind of obscured a little bit. And I feel like there's so many like sounds in the album that it kind of like goes really well. So it, it made sense once I play, put the album on too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the, the beauty of it is I got to hear a lot of the, um, the songs as they were being produced, I guess, in the, the room yeah. share and um so I was just pretty much listening to that album over and over all the time. And so that really definitely seeped into the artwork itself, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And you, you had mentioned the kind of like, not quite spur of the moment, but uh, kind of like not much, not any like lead into the album and stuff um, when you released it. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how that kind of like came about and how you kind of feel about that now, especially considering it was like kind of three, four years of like working through meticulously like all these demos and then just to kind of like put it out as soon as the album artwork was done basically. Yeah, I mean that like we just wanted it out. Like we had yeah. been working on it for so long. Like there were a lot of points. Um, I mean with every individual song there were a lot of points where it's like it's done and then I went back on it and <laughs> finishing the album was just a matter of saying okay right now I'm going to stop working on it and I'm going to put out what we have. Cause I could have kept working on it for three more <laughs> years, honestly. <laughs> it was definitely, I, I, I remember it being kind of a surprise to the rest of the band, which was just me and William at the time. Cause like we, we hadn't really discussed like an official uh, release date and we weren't even expecting to come up with an official release date. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think Jay told us like less than a week before they wanted to put it out. Like, Hey, I think it's done. I want to, put it out now yeah um, and we were like all right hell yeah we're we're ready for it 
And I, I still, even then, like after I said it was done, I was like still working on the songs until like the last mm-hmm. minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a the song Glass Beach, like I remixed completely like a day before we released the album. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah, and I mean now with um the addition of the fourth member and like kind of figuring out how the live show is gonna come together, it seems like you are kind of still doing that kind of revision um can you talk a little about like that process of you know switching from recording to the live show and everything yeah i mean i like to think of it as a a song as long as you continue performing it is always evolving and the album version is kind of just a snapshot of like what we think is the ideal version of it at that time Hmm. um but with adapting them to the live show, we have been making a lot of changes to them. And it's not going to sound, I mean, we know it's not going to sound exactly like the album. We wouldn't be able to make it sound exactly like that unless we had like 20 people on the stage <laughs> playing 100 different <laughs> instruments, you know. Yeah. Um, we do have, we use backing tracks, which like fill in a lot of the sounds that we're not performing live. I don't, yeah, I a mean, lot of the you, you remove samples stuff and stuff. From them, right? It's not everything that is not being played live, but we, that, so in that way, like we kind of lock into the same structure of every song and we're generally playing the same parts, but like we, we basically just like free it up and it's like if something feels like it's going to be better live or if we want to add a thing live, we'll just do that. Like there's like a, a polyrhythmic clapping section to Yoshi's Island <laughs> that we only do live. Um, yeah. It's because we got the idea after the album was out. So it just like couldn't, you know, we're not going to update the distro kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> fucking Kanye with that. <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> that too. Did that? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I think for the last two he did that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's just what he does now. When he puts out music, he's still not done working on it and he'll like <laughs> patch it. <laughs> I never want to do that. No. Once it's done, I'm going to commit to it. Even if even mm-hmm. if I later think I could have done it better, like let's then just release it wildly differently. Yeah, I think I think the a recording is always going to be like a snapshot of like one point in time. And if it if it evolves past that, that's cool. But you know, it's 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 just about having uh, the recording be you know, just ref- reflecting what I think is best at that time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I guess kind of, again, going off that uh, kind of spur of the moment drop, um, I guess, it, you know, it kind of it dropped in May. And then um, in reference to like a bunch of the stuff I was seeing, it kind of like blew up by word of mouth or uh, I guess word of typing um, <laughs> around like August or so. Like, yeah, a lot of people on Rate Your Music, I think that that was a huge factor. Like just the something that I've noticed with it is the people who do find out about it, like can't shut up about it. (laughs) So just a few people who happen to stumble upon it are like friends and friends of friends and, you know, just found it, told everybody about it. And eventually it like reached people who had more of a platform. And that's why it took a few months after to blow up. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't, I didn't need it to blow up when we put it out. I would have been happy if nobody listened to it because it was, (laughs) for us mm-hmm. you know we were happy with it and like i mean of course that <laughs> was something that we all wanted like we were yeah you know it just uh we weren't setting ourselves up to feel disappointed if it didn't get really any attention outside of the people that we were already expecting to hear it um <laughs> which is part of why it was like so exciting when that started happening because yeah. like you know we 
I didn't expect it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's funny you said like people who hear it can't shut up about it because I, I definitely feel like I'm in that camp. <laughs> and I was I'm curious about kind of like the way it feels like a very like album oriented album. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> and so I'm curious about kind of like that process of like kind of fitting all the various pieces together, especially with how broad of a sound there is. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty complicated to get everything. I mean, when I, I I think you're you're right about it being an an album album. Like I I say that there are like there are musicians who write songs and there are musicians who write albums and neither is like necessarily better. But I've always considered myself more of an album writer. Mm -hmm. So when we were writing the individual songs, like we didn't have like the track list like the track order like mm -hmm. figured out from the beginning but we did have an idea of like okay this should probably go after a slower song mm -hmm. or maybe lead into this song and and we knew we knew classic jay dies and goes to hell part one was going to be the last uh, the first song and mm -hmm. we knew orchids was going to be the last song like almost from the beginning like pretty much from when we first wrote those so when we say new we were always open for it's like but if we write a song that like would be a better opener a better closer we were like open to it, it just never happened. Yeah. Um, those just like were locked in in there, and like some of the songs changed like pretty drastically tonally. Like Dallas uh, was like a different feeling song at different points throughout the production. So like yeah. th that that was why like the middle of the album was always so like amorphous until it's, we like figured it out. It, Loving was done. Dallas is a, is an interesting one, especially because some of these songs have kind of like a, a ship of Theseus situation with them where, <laughs> yeah. where I wrote the song and I changed it and I changed that and I changed that and I changed it so much that the final version of the song has absolutely no musical material in common with the first version of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the sequencing was really just a matter of like, I would listen to each song and then when it was over, I was like, okay, what song do I want to hear now? You know, mm -hmm. it's it's very... Uh, or sometimes even just like, what sound do I want to hear now? And then you would make that sound go into the next song. Because like, yeah. this isn't Rat Castle, it goes into... Um, what does Rat Castle go into? Planetarium. Uh, Planetarium, yeah. And yeah. it's just like noise into noise. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there were, there were a few where I, yeah, I planned out like specific direct mm -hmm. transitions between them. Because I love that. I uh, love yeah. when one song just like yeah. morphs into another yeah. song. <laughs> For sure. So, so, I mean, was it like once you had kind of like the main parts of the songs or was it kind of like figuring out the transitions in between did that kind of like change as you figured out the track listing or were the songs like more complete before you uh saw how they would be best be sequenced it kind of all happened at the same time because yeah. just like pieces here and like when jay said it was a puzzle that's a really good like uh way to put it because like like you're doing like a big puzzle and you get a chunk of it that looks like it's in the middle and you realize it's on the right side. Yeah. Um, but that chunk <laughs> is mostly good, but then you have to add other parts to that. So yeah, it, it really all kind of happened around each other. Yeah. Yeah. Th th there would be stuff where it's like, okay, these three songs are really good next to each other, but mm -hmm. is that three, four, five, or is that 10, 11, 12, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, and yeah, just, just putting it together a little bit at a time. I mean, the sequencing came together as the tracks did. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. Cool. Um, and I mean, there's kind of been, I've seen a lot of mentions to this being like specifically like a passion project. And you, you mentioned how like you kind of didn't care what the reception was going to end up being. Um, and I feel like that's something that's kind of, kind of like lends itself to the most creative kinds of music. Um, 
so I'm curious kind of like how, I, I guess when you don't kind of necessarily have like an audience in mind, like how do you kind of decide which direction to bring stuff in with all the influences you have? How do you like decide how to kind of like layer each thing in? We just do what we want, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, it's it. there was really no conscious idea of, okay, we're going to do this big fusion of genres. It's just like, we like this kind of music. We like this kind of music. We like this kind of music. Why would we just choose one mm-hmm. to play? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we, we're just doing what we wanted and put it together in a way that sounded good to us. You know, a lot of it was really, I mean, we deliberated it over mm-hmm. like for a while, but it was, it was very, uh, intuitive, I think. I, I know part of Jay's approach, cause like Jay, Jay did like, I would say at least 90% of the songwriting on the album, <laughs> um, which like so much of that was like, you mentioned like, how do you work all of those influences into like a cohesive thing? And I know a lot of what Jay did was throw all of the ideas in there and then take out the ones that like aren't working best and then just kind of carve it. Oh um, yeah. Cause and like their, their, their uh, song files are out of control. and Yeah, nobody, nobody else could, uh, <laughs> could like understand one of my logic project files or something. Cause I'm just really bad at organizing that shit, but also like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, kind of just, I'll have a I'll have a project file for a song and just throw every yeah every idea that I come up with at it and then take away the mm-hmm. ones that I don't think add to it until I just have the best ideas mm-hmm. that I've come up with yeah. and the, that that's a uh, kind of a product of the way that we record which is that like pretty much as soon as we start writing a song we start recording it and we keep re-recording it or uh you know just adding stuff to the demos or whatever Mm -hmm. um so so when we're writing a song when we're when we're thinking about what the chords are going to be what the lyrics are going to be we're also thinking about how it's going to be produced Mm -hmm. and you know what uh what other instruments are we going to add what tones are we going to use how are we going to eq everything like it's it's all just baked into each other it's just Mm -hmm. from the start yeah Yeah, we'll be like does this guitar part work like probably because we're going to have it lower in the mix so like (laughs) yeah yeah, Yeah. that's really cool how um like you said kind of like all comes together i feel like that seems I've never heard kind of something like that before that seems like really unique to Glass Beach. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's the only band I've been involved in that has done it like that. I mean, this this kind of process was just kind of a product of uh, the kind of music I was making before because I was, uh, I mean, I was making music solo for a while. And with that, you can't just like, you know, jam, jam on out. a song like <laughs> with a band. It's yeah. like, if you want to jam on an idea, like, you know, you want to try some melodies over the chords. Okay, first you have to record the chords, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so as soon as I'd start writing something, I would need to record it so I could start trying pieces together because I can only play so much at once, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just made sense to keep using that process when I have mm-hmm. a band. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, th- uh, the three of us that were Glass Beach were living together for the entire production of the album. Yeah. Um, so, like, that also made it easy enough for Jay to, like, bring us in on a lot of those conversations and, like, just record something because we happened to be home that night. Yeah. Um, or just, like, Jay would be working on it. And even if they weren't, like, asking us for input, we would hear it through our bedroom walls. 
to like <laughs> be able to say, hey, that sounds really fucking good. Here's this idea or whatever. Yeah, and, and I'm like, I'm like obsessive about this shit too. I'm like thinking about <laughs> music 24 seven. So there'd be a lot of times where we'd just be doing something else and it'd be like, hey Jonas, do you think, uh, do you think it would be better if we used uh, a, a E6 chord here instead of a B flat seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I mean, and um, it sounds like you benefited a lot from like the living together. Did we any kind of like reality show esque uh, meltdowns or anything? <laughs> um, the only uh, evidence of such a thing is in a video called "Hey, It's Me, Honest Kids." Is it the title of the video? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, which you can find on YouTube. Um, I think on the Glass Beach YouTube channel, uh, which is not for children. Um, <laughs> but was... other than that, no reality esque. Uh, shenanigans i don't think yeah no we get along with each other pretty well <laughs> and i mean we kind of like have been hinting a lot at the kind of uh various sounds within the album and i feel like you know reading kind of people's feedback it seems like you know whatever kind of music you're into is kind of the parallels that you're going to draw to glass speech like i'm more on like the punk and emo side so i see like kind of those parallels and then people are more on like the electronic side and or like the jazzy side see those parallels um so like, could you kind of like tell me about some of like the main influences that you had specifically going into it um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think jc yours and like uh if I have any additions, I will. But a lot, there's some it's, crossover. It's like, my influence has changed a lot over the process of it. And I feel like that's kind of reflected in the music. Because when I wrote a lot of it, I was deeply into to punk. Like a lot of the, like, uh, like Jeff Rosenstock, like pop, like uh, mm-hmm. kind of like really melodic, but really loud mm-hmm. punk. Um, and so a lot of the ideas started as that, but like halfway through it, I got really hardcore into jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you were also like getting more into like uh, electronic and hip hop music, like over, over the course of like the production, yeah, yeah. The production side. Like, I don't know if that bled in, but I remember you oh, talking about yeah. how like it was the most interestingly produced music that you were seeing done now. And like, yeah, I mean, sure I feel like, I feel like rap music is like kind of on the, like uh, cutting edge in a lot of ways so I do yeah. I, I mean even if you even if it, the stuff that I make doesn't sound like that you know it's it's part of the Probably part of the hearing. melting pot I also got really into talking heads in the during the making of it and <laughs> like uh, uh, the album Remain in Light was like a huge influence on the sound of it because I feel like that's an album that is able to reconcile a lot of really weird sounds just like just like a hundred of them at once and just makes these really cool complex grooves with them <laughs> and yeah to name a few things yeah <laughs> definitely like I, I would i would say i mean the the if there's like a single artist that most like unified the the band's influence it's probably jeff rosenstock definitely um, yeah. who's also like in in a way the artist that brought us together um because there was uh jay's profile picture with with jeff rosenstock and somehow <laughs> we still don't know exactly how jay and william became friends on facebook um, but William saw the profile picture and was like, hey, I don't know who you are, um, but a uh, cool profile picture. Do you know who I am? And Jay was like, no, I have no idea who you are. Um, and then just started talking. And like, that was right before like, when I moved out to California where Jay needed roommates and wanted to start a band. So it just like, I was already a Casio Dad fan, which was Jay's former project. Yeah, and like, um, that just like, kind of, it all clicked sort of through that. So we can thank Jeff Rosenstock for Glass Beach Innocent. I, yeah, I would definitely say that was like the first like music 
that we were talking about that, you know, like interests that we had in common. I feel like over the course of making that album and like continuing now, we've kind of been moving more away from like strict uh-huh. punk music. I mean, it depends on how you define what punk is because some yeah. people feel like punk is an attitude and you don't need mm-hmm. distorted guitars to make punk. But <laughs> yeah. I've just, I've just like been wanting to branch out more and more. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes a lot of sense, especially like as far as like the experimentation and stuff goes. Um, and, and like in the like Bandcamp, like blurb description for the album, you, you talk about kind of like genrelessness and um, yeah. like the, the democratization of music and stuff. And yeah. I feel like it's, it's somewhat related the way it seems like in some ways the album's like polarizing like either you get it and you love it or you're like i have no idea what the hell's going on (laughs) (laughs) so like could you expand on that idea of like democratization of music and stuff and just like how it kind of influenced you yeah um so what i was kind of getting at there is i i I feel like more and i mean i feel like this has been going on for a while but i i really think people are starting to care a lot less about genre with music and I feel like that's because a lot of the dividers that used to be between different genres are kind of going away Mm -hmm. um because it used to be a matter of like you know if you lived in uh I mean you'd listen to your local scene or whatever Mm -hmm. um, or always played on your local radio like yeah like styles of music were very tied to places they were very tied to identities and stuff but now for the most part people are listening to music on Spotify like Mm -hmm. Bandcamp and, and stuff like that where there's really no divider between genres. It's just another way of describing the music. And I feel like people are branching out a lot more because music outside of like what they would have listened to before is becoming more accessible to people. <laughs> and, and what I was saying about democratization of music is now like you don't have, I mean, you don't need a label to get your music to everybody in the world, <laughs> you know? Um, you, you, <laughs> And and any like uh, any random uh, bandcamp artist has like you know they're they're uh, they have just as much a chance of blowing up as any major label artist. You know, it's just a matter of the right people finding it and sharing it. A lot of the a lot of the barriers aren't there. You know, and I I just feel we kind of uh, embrace the the increasing lack of barriers and music you know yeah it, it is i mean it's super freeing because we get to say like no matter what we know that we can put this in front of people yeah like, we, we have access to that and so we can make what we want and if it is good people will like it and if that's, enough people like it then then they'll like share it and that's yeah. that's the other thing like the internet is so much easier to find a niche so mm-hmm. like whatever weird art you want to make the like even if it's like 20 people who would like it the 20 mm-hmm. people in the world who would like it will find it <laughs> you know and it'll be great to know that they like it like it's, yeah 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 for sure it, it is really cool how like you can find those like very small communities and um kind of like find that unifying factor kind of no matter who or where you are um and, and you talked about kind of the sort of like a relevance of a label as far as, you know, getting your music out there and potentially having like an audience of the world. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how that factored into like your decision, like signing for run for cover and stuff. And yeah, um, we did, we did think a lot about if that was something we wanted to do and it, it has been really good for us so far. I mean, I yeah. think, I feel like we made the right call because, um, 
like they have given us uh i i talked a lot about the like we can get our music on spotify but they can get get it in stores yeah they can get our music (laughs) in stores they can get uh you know journalists to write about it you know they 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 can get us articles and reviews and stuff stuff that like a lot of the time that is where people hear about music from because Mm -hmm. not everybody has the time to just dig through like random like random artists on Bandcamp or Mm -hmm. spotify or whatever i think a lot of people kind of have people that they look to to kind of tell not to like give them all of their opinions but to tell them like (laughs) you know like 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 if there's a certain music critic that has similar taste to you if they say they that something is good you're more likely to check it out you know yeah yeah. yeah and we were like i mean we were it was at least like two months i think that we were talking about whether or not we wanted to join a label and at points like we were uh we were contacted by multiple labels like up until the signing and we just like really mulled it all over um because like the thing is, if we just continued on the course that we were on, like, I think Ian Cohen was already interested in writing about us. I think we already were talking yeah. to, like, Jimmy Coletta and, like, wanted to work with her. And, like, some of the things that we were doing, we had we had access to. And, like, our trajectory was still, like, uh, could have been moving upward. And, like, we could have gotten ourselves in stores independently after a time. Yeah. Um, but, like, what we kind of discussed was, like, signing with the label now that, like, we feel, like, safe with and feel, like... Uh, we can trust is going to fast track all of that mm-hmm. yeah. um, and just like help us do it sooner and like not have to work our asses off to like, <laughs> do it now um yeah. and, and the next album maybe we won't take three years it still might but like now <laughs> it's it's uh it's gonna be easier to just like make that stuff happen it's it's been nice to like offload a lot of the responsibility mm-hmm. because when you're in an independent band like you are a manager you're a promoter you're you know you do every job related to the band and i don't know how to do a lot of that shit i mean i've been able to get by but you know i'm i like my ideal would be to just focus on the music and just you know have other people to take care of the other stuff and run for cover has been a great fit i mean like Mm -hmm. every like we we haven't had any like weird idea that wasn't met with a fuck yeah. So yeah, we have a really fun uh, merch pitch that we're preparing for them. Um, <laughs> that that uh, I, I I hope they're excited about. Yeah, I, I mean, just they, they like what this like relationship with this label has meant for us is we can continue doing what we want to do, but with financial backing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, and definitely there was no shade in that question, by the way. Oh, no, <laughs> um, I know. No, I think that's a great question to ask. And like, I mean, also like, uh, I, I at least like personally, I think we all probably individually thought a lot about just like, we are not going to be functioning independently anymore. And that is like, moving away from any way that we had made music. Like, it, mm-hmm. it it's like, it was an emotional decision, I think, as much as it was a like, fiscal decision or, or anything like that because we all in like different ways come from like DIY music and mm-hmm. like produ- producing and releasing everything independently and it like being yours mm-hmm. um so there is like a, a fear for me of feeling like we weren't going to have ownership of it or feel like we had ownership of it but that hasn't happened like they which I mean is good because they want their artists to feel good and artists feel good when they feel like they have control over their stuff so <laughs> yeah. uh run for cover understands that and like is uh not not uh, has not been a detriment to how i feel about our music at all absolutely awesome yeah that's great to hear that it's like such a good relationship um and i feel like part of what connects me to glass beach is kind of like 
equal parts or like I enjoy it equally if I'm like zoning out to the music as I am when I like am listening intently and paying attention to like every single detail. Um, so like what is kind of like your ideal um, like situation for someone to be listening to Glass Beach in? Uh, uh, again and again. <laughs> um, personally, I mean, yeah, I, I, Jay might have a different answer, but I don't, I don't, I never thought of it being an ideal situation to listen to it in, but just like however you fucking want either, to. Either live at one of our shows yeah. or like, I mean, the, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of meant to be listened to anyway. I mean, I mixed it for headphones, so it sounds best on headphones. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, uh, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I'd appreciate it if you guys had phones because most speakers won't let you hear a lot of my bass parts. <laughs> no, Jay did a good job of bringing it out. Like, I can hear my bass parts on my phone, though to be fair, they're also just in my brain. I, I never <laughs> want to do a mix where you, like, can't hear the bass. I get mm -hmm. so I get so pissed off when I hear a song where you yeah. can't hear the bass, even if the bass isn't that. <laughs> if you're like, doing it, it's like, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many bassists who... Yeah, no. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many bassists who just pit, play roots and get buried in the mix, and it's like, why is this person even here? What are they? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All bassists, bassists are wonderful there's, and valid, and, nothing and wrong, we should hear them. There's nothing wrong with playing the roots. There is, there is a problem with me not being able to hear bass when I listen. Yeah. To no matter what you're playing, we want to hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It probably speaks to the mixing job that even on the my first listen was on a single AirPod at work and I, bass lines definitely stuck out to me even with that. So that's that's a good point actually, Jay, because you mixed a lot of stuff left and right. Did you like? Did you check it for listening to each one on its own? I didn't do that. I was pretty thorough with with testing it, but I did not yeah. do that. Maybe I'll that would be really that fun for the next one. Like, There's, yeah. <laughs> just make sure it sounds good on each ear and also in both. There's a lot of different ways I like to test my mixes because, like I said, I mix it for headphones because that's my preferred way to listen to music because I mm -hmm. get the most detail without any background noise or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I also mixed it to sound good in my car, to sound good on my uh, like monitors, my speakers. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried a few different pairs of headphones. <laughs> so it's it's meant to be listened to however you want to. Yeah, for sure. I, and soon to be on vinyl, which I'm very excited for. Yeah. So are we. And cassette. Me too. It feels, no one's talking about the cassette, but they're there. Yeah. It feels it feels a lot more uh, it feels a lot more real to me now because it's mm -hmm. like you know we put out this album, but it's it's on it's online. There's not. I mean, there's the CDs, but mm -hmm. like I feel like once I get one of those vinyls and I can. I can hold the LP in my hands yeah. and it'll feel so much more legit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we have like liner art and stuff too. Oh yeah, oh, the vinyl God. art. I, I did the I mean I did the vinyl art with uh, with Dax and I'm super happy with it. I'm, <laughs> I want to share it, but I want people to be surprised when they get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited to see that for sure. I, I know we were we've been talking about like how many like kind of how much is going on in the music and like how many layers there are and everything. I'm curious if there's any like kind of um, standout moments for you either while like writing or like now that the album's out and you kind of are able to ruminate on it a little more and stuff. Just like favorite moments on the album? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I might have to think about this. <laughs> I mean, I can, like, so I, I, I first heard your question as, like, moments in the production, so I'm going to answer that, and then I hope that that's okay. But, like, I remember one of my favorite moments of, like, a time that I was working on a track with Jay, um, which also ends up being, like, one of my uh, favorite just sort of, like, 
production pieces on the album was um, which one is the marimbas? Um, Jay. Oh, uh, uh, Dallas. Uh, for Dallas, yeah, yeah. Um, which, like we mentioned, went through so many iterations that were wildly different. Um, and there was a point where that uh, marimba uh, part that like loops throughout pretty much the entire song and is like kind of the like core of it. Yeah. I would say like where it was just like uh, lower in the mix in like a section. Um, and Jay was like running on a lot of ideas, and then uh, we just like had them start with that, and then kind of build around it and make that like the focal point. And like that ended up, I mean, obviously becoming the version on the album, and like yeah, the, the, which was really cool. Like the, to, the part where the marimba comes in that song, like even though I made it, it like mm-hmm. surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I love to I love to surprise people uh, mm-hmm. in songwriting because I I mean. Like, my ADHD brain and shit, like, I get bored of songs really easily. And it's so easy for me to be like, okay, verse, chorus, there's just going to be another chorus. Like, I already heard the chorus. I don't need to keep listening to this song. (laughs) So I like to do, I like to put things in there to trip people up. So, like, if I'm listening to my song and I'm getting bored, then I'm like, okay, there needs, something needs to change here. (laughs) I want to, I want to keep people on their toes. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, favorite, favorite moments. Um, I, it's, it's almost easier for me to talk about the parts that I didn't do because <laughs> I really like, I really like Jonas's baseline on bedroom community. I really like, um, I really like William's, uh, drumming at the, at the end of Glass Beach. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. Glass Beach, but especially like on the yeah. last chorus of it. Oh, like, I love that. Uh, I keep wanting to call it the spoken word section because the earlier version spoken had spoken, word, spoken word over that. But I took it out um, because I realized I don't, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that, that whole section is like probably one of my favorite just like pieces of music on the album, I guess. Um, and yeah. has been since Jay sent us the first demo of Glass Beach, of the song Glass Beach. Um, <laughs> it'll be confusing in the next album cycle. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was one. Also, like the in part one when like everything comes in. Oh, when it goes um, into the verse. With yeah, the part. yeah. Which I love- like a lot of people have like tweeted about, and and Jay like I mean I, Jay has a very succinct explanation of like why it's so good, but a lot of that is like Jay's production. Um, and it's like a simple trick, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a trick that I do there that I do on a lot of a lot of uh, songs because it, it's it's a uh, like in in like funk music and constructing a funk groove like the one the first beat of the measure is the most important and mm-hmm. every instrument has to emphasize that and then can do whatever they want in the rest of the measure and like the fact that they start together and then kind of come apart is like what where a lot of the like catchiness comes from because because there's a you know there's a consistency to it but there's also an inconsistency and the syncopation to it but i realized that a cool way to emphasize the one of a measure is to have nobody play it (laughs) because like in a way like a rest is a form of emphasis and that's what's going on when it switches into the verse nothing plays on the one and then everything comes in a little bit late so it feels like by the time that it's like 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 it feels like it gets there earlier than you like perceive it well, yeah, yeah. You, you, you expect like it to hold for four times as long in yeah. a certain way and then it just catches you yeah <laughs> that, that one always makes me want to shake my knees <laughs> for sure yeah that, that's a really cool i don't think i've processed like why that kind of like stood out but that makes a lot of sense like now the way you, you explained it, it. <laughs> for sure um and, and you had mentioned earlier that um orchids was always going to be like the end of the album and yeah. 
Uh, I'm curious, is there like significance to like the, like, I think it's like 45-ish seconds of silence, like at the end of that? Yeah, um, so the reason why we did that is because it would make the album exactly an hour long. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I I don't think there's a longer answer. I I mean, that, I will say that was the original idea, Mm -hmm. but I do honestly like the effect of having a lot of silence. I mean, it's such a, it's such a loud song and then having a little bit of silence there kind of gives you a minute to just reflect on all of what you just heard. Yeah. <laughs> I, if you stay there and listen for all of it, you know. There is definitely <laughs> part of me that when I hear an album end and, I, and the track is still going into silence, I do expect Billy Joe Armstrong to come in singing about jerking off. <laughs> so far, it's only happened once. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely, the first time I listened to it, I was like definitely looking for that kind of hidden track uh, little mm-hmm. exit well, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe other versions blame, uh, of the record will have that <laughs> i blame uh marvel yeah <laughs> last seat will return <laughs> nobody expects things to just be over when they say they're over something else <laughs> well, they didn't actually die and go to hell part one they came back after the <laughs> i noticed like on the website that you release like this the stems and the in- instrumentals of the album I'm just curious about that because that's not really something that I've seen bands do in the past. It's not something that's done a lot in the like punk or I don't know, whatever you want to call the scene we're in. Mm -hmm. But I do have a lot of I do have a lot of friends who make like electronic music. And that's a pretty common thing to do um, in electronic music and hip hop music um, because there's such a big like culture of like remixing and sampling and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I just... I mean, for for like one thing, I'm just really proud of all the different sounds I put in there. And mm-hmm. I figured if anybody's interested, they can just go and listen to all of them yeah. by themselves. Um, but uh, I also, yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted people to be able to do remixes mm-hmm. or sample it. And I'm, we've had, uh, I've had a few people send me remixes. They did. I We had somebody sample uh, our song Dallas in like an emo rap song. And I was very, mm-hmm. I was very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody found that and like dropped it into the Discord uh, earlier this week, and they were like, "What is this?" And I and I was able to tell them what it was. Yeah. Um. And it's, yeah, and and that that guy asked me for permission yeah, too, yeah. which is which is awesome because I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as, as much as I'm talking about how great the like remix and sampling culture is, there's also a lot of people just kind of sampling things without permission yeah. and getting into trouble for that. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's good to ask permission. Also, we want to know and yeah. like. We want to hear it. Yeah, and it's also it's also for people to just like learn from mm-hmm. too because I there were a lot of uh, there's a lot of times where I'll listen to a song and like this is really cool everything that's going on here like I I hear like this really cool guitar part but it's like kind of buried I wish I could just like hear it on its own and figure mm-hmm. out like what you know all of these parts are doing to contribute to this whole you know there's some there's some cool stuff fitted in there I mean I've <laughs> I've talked uh, I've talked about a uh, weird shit that I put in there but. I mean, I can talk about that a bit now if you're interested. Yeah, for sure. I'd be like, interested. I was like, I want you to surprise me if you think you can. Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to say the things I can think of offhand. There's uh, on Yoshi's Island. There is a uh, there's a synth sound that I made um, by sampling a sound effect from Pikmin 2 that was coming out of the Wii controller speaker. <laughs> like it was like a it was like 
low on battery or the speaker was failing or something. So it was kind of crackly and like big crush. I did notice, but it felt really funny. Though. Yeah, it's just like it's just like this ding sound effect that plays in Pikachu. And I sampled it and I figured out what pitch it was and I tuned it and then I played chords with it. <laughs> That's in Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, I mean, also in Yoshi's Island, there was a synth sound where I wanted to get a specific kind of distortion on it. And I tried a lot of things and I ended up realizing what worked best was to play it through these like really shitty old computer speakers with the volume turned up really loud and just record that. Like basically doing amp distortion, but with like, like, like 90s computer speakers. <laughs> um, there's 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 a lot of other stuff yeah i'm sure honestly, I, um you know if you listen really closely you can hear a theremin at the beginning of neon glow uh, <laughs> i mean that's throughout no, it. i know um yeah no nothing particularly comes to mind though i i'm pretty sure that we talk about some of them in the documentary that comes yeah. out in january um I sampled the sounds of baby rats squeaking. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's another thing. Um, I just, I just love hiding stuff in there. Like, even mm -hmm. if, even if nobody's gonna hear it, and if they do, they're not gonna know what it is. Like, it just, mm -hmm. it just makes me happy to put weird shit in the mix. <laughs> I guess, yeah. The only, the only, uh, like, mixed Easter egg I can think of, and I'm not gonna tell you exactly what it is, but is like the correct answer to what is being yelled at the beginning of Yoshi's <laughs> Island, which no one knows. No one has Well, we're has saying like three out. different things at the but same time. But there is a right answer. And, yeah. that's, and that's what I, uh, I wonder, what I like. So I wonder if you can tell if you listen to this. The well, I, mean, I was just thinking still, that too. Hmm. I don't know. I guess let us know. <laughs> but, but don't look into it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, we're talking about a lot about Yoshi's Island. I put a lot of stuff in Yoshi's Island. Uh, yeah. Bone school, I sampled an elevator as part of Did the you know? Okay. Yeah, I just recorded like myself in an elevator <laughs> and, and it made like a sound and I like looped that and it's part of the beat towards the end. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's drums there that like we recorded. Oh, yeah, we recorded some drums to like, like, a, to, like a tape machine, um, not like a cassette tape, but like the like they used in uh, old music studios. Uh, my brother owns one of those because he's really into like vintage uh, recording. Um, and we uh, we recorded that and then just like pulled the tape through manually, like forwards and backwards at different speeds to just get all these sounds. It kind of sounds like scratching a record, yeah. Just made some weird, weird noises with that. That's my favorite thing to do, just make weird noises and put them in songs. <laughs> That's the only reason I became a musician. I just wanted to make weird noises. <laughs> Working so far. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and um, I mean, recently the Kickstarter for the Greetings Adventures, like D&D's yes! yes! EP slash <laughs> album. Um, I, I'm just curious a, a little bit more about that and kind of like just the general like future of glass beach too <laughs> yeah so um that for for anyone who isn't familiar uh glass beach glass beach the band is in a band called roll for streetwise <laughs> um it is the four members of glass beach with mike bachman from the greetings adventures uh podcast formerly known as drunks and dragons which is a D &D um, which is a dnd podcast yeah. <laughs> on the geekly inc network um uh and it's a podcast that william and i have been a fan of for a few years um, and, uh, there was, uh, 
a, a while ago, like William and Bachman were DMing because Bachman was looking for a piano player for a live performance at GeeklyCon, which is a like, big convention. Um, and that basically unfolded into us doing a $25,000 Kickstarter to fund a four-track EP and a tour out to the next GeeklyCon. We're going to perform with Bachman live there. That's in um, Ohio. In, right? Yeah, it, it, it's in um, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Columbus, Ohio. Um, so we're going to go out there next summer, which is super exciting. Um, and it means we get to tour, like, we're going to get to hit all of our home states because Jay and Lane are from Texas and William and I are from Minnesota. Yep. Um, and we're also getting to record a Nerdcore album with a really cool person and put that in front of people uh, who will like it. And, yeah. <laughs> um, very, yeah, it's super exciting. And we this like, isn't going to be, like, any, like, this is going to be some kind of half-ass thing or something. Like, no, we're yeah. going we to write songs that are so good that people would listen to them if they weren't. Yeah, we're like, um, it's definitely, it is not going to be the second Glass Beach album, but I definitely think that if you like Glass Beach, it is inevitable that you will like this album because we're taking kind of the same musical philosophies into writing that. Yeah, Um, it's it's as writing funny songs. It's like as like weird and it's as like jazzy and complex too yeah. like <laughs> we, we do have demos up for that at the at rollforthreewife.com if you're curious what it might sound like um but yeah that's uh it's something we're super excited about yeah um so i mean we're going to be doing uh we're going to be doing a lot of touring next year yeah um that's a that's a big thing we're gonna we're gonna be doing that um we've got more music videos coming out and then yeah. uh next year i mean we've got our Physicals. Physical release is yeah. end of January, um, and yeah, we're. It's gonna be in stores. I've never stores. made something that's been in stores. <laughs> yeah. That's so wild to me. Yeah, I like. <laughs> it was a, a great moment for me because uh, just sort of like to sort of process where this was gonna be at because I knew that we would be in stores, but I didn't know like to what degree. Um, but uh, I was I, I was running the Glass Beach Twitter the morning that we announced the label signing and like the vinyl print and the merch and all that stuff. Um, so they're like fielding a lot of replies and stuff and one person was like asking uh, how they could get a ship to Canada um, and I was like able to answer that but I had to I had to tag run for cover to like answer a little bit more and they were like oh it'll be on stores in Canada too and I was like fuck it's just gonna be on stores <laughs> in Canada and like yeah. and to, to at least a big enough degree that they can comfortably say to someone who lives just in Canada that it will probably be near them yeah, um, and like sure. of course it's not gonna be in every store but yeah. like just the I don't know. It's it's gonna be really cool that our music is gonna be that accessible. Um, yeah, I've never had anything close to that. And I mean, like you know, we talked about people uh, people wanting to listen to it because they see the cover. Mm-hmm. If they go into a yeah. record store and they, <laughs> they see, see the cover, cover twelve by twelve, oh my be like, god, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to live in this. For this week's mid-show shout-out, I want to feature Lead DIY. That stands for Lighting and Epilepsy Awareness Development in DIY. The organization strives to educate venues, bands, fans, and everyone else involved about the effects of strobe lights and other intense lighting on photosensitive audience members. They do this by spreading awareness, providing signage to give the audience a heads up as to how strong the lighting will be, and all that good stuff. You should definitely check them out and consider donating or helping out in another way. I kind of like to wrap up by asking either for like a piece of advice or an observation or kind of like general philosophy that you have um, or that you've been thinking about lately, um, either about like music or about life or kind of whatever you want to get out to the audience. (laughs) 
everybody who is listening, just like please go out there and just make the like weirdest shit you yes. can. Make the shit that you think is too weird for people because it yeah. is not. Like there are people who will love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like do yeah. the, the way that I think about it, and Jonas and I we we've, we've talked about this. I like to think about what what we do with art as we're gonna do what nobody else would. <laughs> Just like like make the make the art that we want to do that like nobody else could come up with. And, and I encourage yeah. everybody else to do the same. Everybody has that like that yeah. thing because like <laughs> yeah we we are we are the only people who can do what we can do. You are the only people who can do what you can do. And yeah, you absolutely should if you have any inkling to, and and like make it the best that you can with what you have. But like don't feel like there's anything that you have to do to like produce it a certain way. Or yeah, like, there's to, no there's no right way to make music. There there's are no, no right rules. way to make any kind of art. Like the only rule is do. Yeah. As I'm sure Yoda said at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Even if just Kid is throwing shade at you for the way you're producing yep. your album. <laughs> oh yeah. Kid. Oh, oh that's right. You're off Twitter, oh, so you haven't been seeing that. Yeah, I've been um, off I'm glad I've been off Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the, yeah the, they had a really bad take about music production. There was there was something about like yeah, okay. okay. Also seen, I, I was about uh, to leave on a good note. Oh. Um, same thing that either. Cool. Yeah. Um. I was about. To, I was about to leave on a good note. But I have so to talk about this tweet. Okay. <laughs> there is so much music that is beloved by so many people that is mixed like complete shit. Yeah. Just like. Oh, yeah. Don't you don't have to like spend thousands of dollars. I mean, if you have the money, fucking go for it. But mm-hmm. you don't have to. Like, you really do don't. what you can. Get it out there. If if people hear it and they're like, "This is good music," but it's mixed bad, like you can get. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened <laughs> to yeah. us. I made a lot of like good music that was mixed really bad, and I mm-hmm. kept I kept doing it again and again, and I learned how to do it myself decently. And now, mm-hmm. like people have heard it, and they've they've been like, okay, if they can do this for zero dollars, what can they do for you know thousands of dollars? <laughs> like like just getting just getting it out there is so much yep. more important. You can't you can't like wait to uh, to get something that's like perfect and that's going to be polished and. You know, just just, just fucking do it. Just you know? fucking do it, and <laughs> hang out with other people who are doing it too, because that's the best yeah. way I've found to motivate yourself. And, and the only reason DistroKid is fucking saying that is because they're constantly like advertising, like get your music mixed by this guy, get your uh-huh. music mastered by this guy, or this service or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's don't don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, because they're not gonna give a shit about your music anyway, and they're not gonna mix it. And I, I mean, they might mix it well. They'll mix it well enough to make They'll money it off clinically. of it, and that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, I think there's just so much, there's so much more room for like, I mean, even just in mixing, there's so much more room for artistic yeah. expression. Like what is bad mixing today mm-hmm. could be like, like a really new innovative way of mixing like 10 years from now. I mean, you know, it's all, it's always, it's the changing art form and, you know, yep. <laughs> there's, no, there's no right way. You don't have to spend a shitload of money to make music. Yeah, and I mean, every classic album is getting remixed and remastered lately anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah that's what you do. You just make a classic, and then, like, 20 <laughs> years later, they'll remaster it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you have to do. <laughs> there, there, there's the advice. <laughs> Release a shitty classic and come in in 20 years. Now that you know all about Glass Beach, go give them a listen. The first Glass Beach album is certainly a journey worth taking. They rule, and you should definitely consider them for your end-of-the-year list. You can pre-order vinyl and merch from Run For Cover Records, and definitely check them out on tour next year. Thanks so much to Jay and Judas for the great conversation. Thank you to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, 
Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork, and Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song. You can follow the show at Fly in the Call Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to subscribe and check our socials on Monday for a hint at next week's guest. It's a good one. I'm really excited. Feel free to reach out to me anytime on socials or via email at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.